The princess chose him as a king's guard. She made keeping his vows very hard. In tourney, he bested the rogue prince. He wished to elope, but couldn't convince. When scorned, he confessed all to the queen. Love turned to hate, and he turned to green. A murderer and an oath breaker, but remembered as a kingmaker. Says Ihon Rosie Ixos Christian Cole, and his name is Christian Cole. This is a watch party of ice and fire. That intro was from Uzma with the help of Our Lady Tyrant Morgan. We are your hosts, Solar. Unbowed, unbent, and unbroken. Uzma. Greetings, lords and ladies. And myself, Sam. In this podcast, we are talking everything and anything a world of ice and fire. In this episode, we are talking about Sir Christian Cole and his journey from Sir Bebe to Sir Chris on everyone's nerves, Cole, <laughs> and comparing that with his journey in the books. So while we won't be going into anything in the books past what we've seen in the show, this is a spoiler warning. Be sure to listen and pay close attention as you can elevate your maester's rank and win links and prizes by listening to the podcast and answering our trivia. Before we get into the episode, we're starting with our segment for the love of lore, where I'll be going over anything involving history, culture, and customs in the world of Ice and Fire. The council will then discuss the lore and how it affects the show. In today's lore, we're talking about the Dornish Marches. So the Dornish Marches is a southern area of Westeros uh, that borders the Stormlands, the Reach, and Dorne. Uh, mainly in the Stormlands, and then there's a large portion of the western part of the marches that's actually in the Reach. Um, it's mainly plains and grasslands, and then there's some mountains in the east. Those are the Red Mountains, known mainly to be in Dorne. For thousands of years, especially uh, before the Targaryens reigned, the area was consistently being fought over. Uh, Dornish invasion to the Stormlands and the Reach was extremely common. Uh, the Reach and the Stormlands were also known to battle quite often. Uh, this created a lot of anino- animosity between the three kingdoms, especially with Dorne. Uh, the people living in the Dornish marches are known as uh, marcher lords. Uh, they're lords of the Stormlands and the Reach. They defended the Reach and the Stormlands from Dornish invasion. Due to the invasions, the marcher lords have... Uh, some of the strongest castles in all of Westeros. Uh, some marcher law, uh, some marcher houses. We have House Karen, uh, House Peak. We have House Swan, um, Balon Swan, who was a Kingsguard member, is from there. We have House Selmy, Barrison Selmy is also from there. Uh, House Tarly, Samuel Tarly, we all know him. Um, and House Dondarian, Beric Dondarian was from there. And Kristen Cole, who we'll be talking about later today, fought for House Dondarian. His father was a steward for them. Um, the warriors from the marches are well-renowned for their ability. Uh, there's many songs sang about them, and the songs tend to be extremely long due to, the, uh, d- due to how much uh, they're celebrated for their valor. Um, they're ve- usually known for their longbowmen, especially. Um, we have a bunch of Kingsguard members from the Dornish marches um, and a lot of just skilled fighters in general little history on the Dornish marches. Um, Dorne, the Reach, and the Stormlanders, as we've talked about, fought for thousands and thousands of years. Um, House Dondarrion was actually founded um, in the marches. Uh, a messenger was attacked by two Dornishmen in the marches on a stormy night um, and thought completely doomed until purple lightning came down and killed both. Um, since he was able to deliver the message to the Storm King, the Storm King then raised him up as Lord Dondarrion. 
Um, it was consistently invaded during uh, Aegon's conquest. Um, basically, the Dornish were taking advantage of the fact that the realm was fighting each other. Um, since the Martells didn't kneel to didn't kneel to Aegon, the marches were always heavily guarded after that. Um, which brings us to the first Dornish War. Um, this was essentially the second war of conquest for um, Aegon, and in this area they suffered heavily. Um, it was so bad that the Marcher Laws tried to convince Dorne that the Martells betrayed them, since the Martells' Sunspear was like the only castle that basically wasn't burnt down during this time. And then we have the second and third Dornish War. Um, during Aenys and Jaehaerys' reigns, uh, we have what's known as the Vulture Kings, um, they were both outlaws who brought Dornish soldiers together. The first Vulture King was way more of a threat. He brought more people together, but the second one still was a bit of a thorn in the side. Uh, Marcher Lords were in incredibly involved in capturing and defeating him, considering that's where most of the battling was happening. Um, so they usually they fought heavily, and then they were very involved in capturing and killing the Vulture Kings, ending the Dornish Wars. Um, Aegon IV was actually supported by the Marcher Lords, Lords when wanting to invade Dorne. Um, we all know Aegon the Unworthy, he was terrible, and his invasion of Dorne went uh, absolutely terribly. So he was supported by the Marcher Lords, but it didn't really matter. Um, Daeron, his son, actually successfully got Dorne to join the Seven Kingdoms, um, and he ended up raising Summerhall in the Marches. Um, but this Dornish involvement in court and the kingdom actually created a lot of resentment in the Marcher Lords because, you know, they hate the Dornish. Um, and this was actually one of the causes of the Blackfyre Rebellion. And that is the Dornish Marches. So what do you all think of the Dornish Marches? The Dornish Marches, I think uh, there was a mention of caves and everything. Uh, they fought in uh, mountains and caves, right? Yeah, during the Vulture King, or the couple Dornish Wars, the Vulture Kings you were like basically had camps in the Red Mountains. And then I think Jaehaerys goes through there with dragons to take them down. I didn't know how detailed I wanted to get in here because I didn't want to take too much time with it. So Dorn is definitely my top one too. When you think of the word freedom, uh, the, word, the one house or place that comes to mind is Dorn. <laughs> And on top of that, it's very warm. <laughs> so definitely Dawn, if I had to live at one place, I'll go to Dawn in Westeros. Uh, I think the reason the, Targa uh, the Dornish people were able to fight back Targaryens and resist them was this uh, f experience they learned, they earned from fighting in the Dornish marches. Uh, as uh, Sam said, they had been fighting for thousands of years, and uh, it had to, it had to be the reason why they were so good at res resisting uh, the Targaryens. Uh, like everyone else was uh, just uh, defeated by the Targaryens, but the Dornish people were able to fight back, and they were. Uh, they were able to fight back because of the caves and uh, how they would come out, fight them, and then hide back, uh, go back to their mountains and hide in their. I think the fight in uh, the fighting in the stepstones gave us an insight on how the Dornish fight would have gone, uh, like. Um, when uh, the crab feeder and his people hid in the caves, uh, the daemon and his dragon, uh, the dragons were ineffective. 
they couldn't do anything and the the fact that the donish people were the only one who were able to bring down a dragon is a huge deal and i think uh, they learned that experience uh, from uh, these fights uh, they had in the past and what i really find interesting about dorn is the fact that they had been the last house to resist the targaryens they had been uh, fighting the targaryens for a really long time uh, even when the rest of the seven kingdoms have accepted the targaryen rule they still fought back and uh, it's not just that the half of their ancestors that is nymeria and the roeners uh, they were uh, the enemies of their ancestors uh, the valerians and still uh, in the current storyline the only house that supports that targaryen rule the only house that is plotting and scheming to seat a targaryen on the iron throne is house uh, martel is it is dawn so that's what i really found found interesting <laughs> because they were the one to fight them the longest but now they are their only allies right the uh, irony the is ridiculous it's so yeah. funny <laughs> exactly so that's what my thoughts are yeah no that is very cool i mean they they straight up were fighting the or didn't bend the knee to the targaryens for many generations and it wasn't until they were yeah. like invited to court that they basically said, "Yeah, okay, we'll join you." So, yeah. Well, that is our for the love of lore segment. Uh, next, we're going to move on to our portrait of a character segment, uh, where we will be talking about our character's journey throughout House of the Dragon and compare that to the books. Uh, this week, I will be talking about Sir Kristen Cole. So, Sir Kristen Cole. Uh, was born in Blackhaven, uh, which was the seat of the Dondarians. Um, and his father was a steward to the Dondarians. Uh, so he basically grew up in the Dornish marches for basically his whole life, and he actually ended up fighting in some border disputes for Storm's End against the Dornish um, until he was knighted by Arlen Dondarian. Um, while from the Stormlands, it is said that he actually comes from Dornish descent. He has a very Dornish look to him. Um, with the Dornish marches being basically a border dispute um, and being fought over frequently with the Dornish, it's not super far-fetched to think that he might have some Dornish uh, um, ancestry. But moving on to House of the Dragon, um, we first see Kristen Cole at the tourney of King's Landing for the birth of Prince Balon. Um, he defeats Daemon Targaryen using a Morningstar. Uh, Kristen Cole is actually very known for his prowess with the Morningstar. Um, after defeating Daemon, he asks for Rhaenyra's favor. Uh, and Rhaenyra and Alicent are basically kind of gushing over him like, he's Dornish, ooh. Um, in the books, we've talked about this many times before, um, but the tourney that he was actually noticed at was the tourney um, in Maidenpool. Uh, that was the celebration for Viserys' ascension. Um, in the books, he did defeat Daemon in the Joust and knocked Dark Sister out of his hand. Uh, moving on, we um, Rhaenyra has been named heir, and she's been put in charge of naming a new member to the Kingsguard. Um, believing that the choices were basically shit, she went with Sir Kristen. Um, I'm kind of curious what you think, Usman. Do you think that it was actually for his... Uh, his prowess in battle or do you think it's more just because she was kind of into Sir Kristen? 
I think it was kind of both. But uh, I think majority of it was that she was attracted to him. <laughs> because uh, she was all, uh, you know, uh, swooning. She was literally swooning over him. <laughs> you can see that. But her logic was uh, strong. Uh, she Her reasoning behind it that, yes, he was the only one to have real battle experience. It was uh, a good or argument. And uh, even though... Uh, Sir Otto didn't like that she chose him. She still, res uh, she straight up uh, went ahead and said, "I'm the heir. I'm choosing him, and you don't have any right to uh, say anything about it." Uh, I think this was the first time Otto got um, an insight that he cannot control Renira, and uh, Christian Cole was a major part of it. Even if it was uh, just uh, based on her crush on uh, Christian Cole. You can see uh, not only uh, Rhaenyra, it kind of felt like uh, Alicent liked <laughs> him too because as you mentioned in the tourney, both of them were swooning over <laughs> Christian Cole. So I think her, yeah, her judgment uh, was largely guided by her crush, but still her reasoning was not wrong. So she was... I won't say she was wrong in this decision. What do you think, uh, Solar? Uh, what do you think about uh, Rhaenyra's decision to name uh, Christian as King's Guard? King's Guard. In truth, yeah. In truth, I was with her the whole time. Um, at least the reason that she spoke aloud was sound. You know, I mean, yeah. we could definitely tell that that the <laughs> she crush was, <laughs> was not uninfluential okay um you know there there is a reason that she took notice of sir sploosh at the tourney but her reasoning given that he was the only one who had seen combat like it wasn't arguable but in politics and lying um all of the best ones can um consist of mostly truth you know but I, I can't say that it was mainly encouraged by the crush, but I will say that the crush did not play a small part. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. What are your thoughts, Sam? Uh, I well, saw the grin. Well, firstly, <laughs> I'd like to say that Sir Sploosh might be the <laughs> worst one we've given him so far. That is nasty. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I do, I kind of agree that it's, like, a bit of both. Like, I think it was more just lucky that he was a good fighter. You know, she's like, yeah, he's a great fighter. Wink, wink. So I think it was, like, a bit of both. Like, he definitely, she definitely had a crush, but it was, like, also just an extra that he was a great fighter. And, I mean, I, I feel like it was kind of a push of, like, they, they're kind of bringing something out of the books, too, because during his performance in Maiden Pool, in Maiden Pool this, back when Rainier was, like, seven in the books is when they first actually see him and she basically like begs um, Viserys for him to be her personal guard when she's like seven years old. So like, I feel like that's a bit of saying like, oh, she definitely has a crush on him and it's not just, you know, he's a good fighter. But if he, uh, but assuming uh, if Christian Cole had been a terrible uh, fighter, if he, he had been a really bad a fighter Otto and Viserys would have had the right to overrule sure. uh, her dis uh, her choice. Yeah, but they couldn't do it because her reason was solid. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, don't I know, mean, you know if she really would have picked him if he was a bad fighter. 
I think she would have. Well, I think that she did fancy him, but I think she was clear enough that I don't think she would have picked him. Yeah, and and let's face it, his fighting prowess was well known. I mean, he yeah. beat Damon publicly. Right. That and was huge. That, uh, yeah, and I think uh, Rhaenyra had a crush on Damon too, so him defeating Damon might have played a role <laughs> in her crush. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But uh, so moving on, we're at um, Prince Aegon's second name day, and there's a hunt going on. Uh, Rhaenyra and Viserys are at odds due, her, due to her position as heir and being married off to whoever. Um, and during the hunt and festivities, Rhaenyra pisses off and Chris and Cole goes after her. Um, he's not ordered to, he just goes off on his own. Um, and they spend the day in the Kingswood together where they grow, their relationship kind of like grows here. Um, we get a little background of him being from um, from Blackhaven, from a lower family. Um, and then he even says to Rhaenyra at one point that everything he is owed, um, or everything he has is owed to Rhaenyra as she's kind of talking about her frustrations. Um, later on, she actually asks him, will the realm accept me as their queen? And he says, like, they'll have no, choose, no choice but to, princess. And I feel like that's, like, a pretty strong statement by him, mm -hmm. considering how shitty he is later on. Like, it's almost like that <laughs> statement ends up being, like, a very resentful thing for him. Like, at first he's just like, yeah, they have to. But then later on he's like, they fucking have to. So, like, it's like he eventually gets <laughs> mad about it. Um, <laughs> but then that same day they're attacked by a boar, um, which they kill. And then they bring the boar back. And Sir Kristen's actually with Rainier when they see the White Heart, which is a pretty cool scene. Um, and then later on, uh, at this point, Sir Kristen has been named to Rainier's personal guard. Um, he joins her um, on her conquest to find a husband that she likes. Um, and then she's being courted by a bunch of people at Storm's End. Um, we the first we see it actually make their case to marry Rhaenyra is Lord Beric Dondarrion, um, who Kristen fought for. Uh, he fought for the Dondarrions in the Dornish marches, and he's basically watching this old man make a fool of himself and watching Rhaenyra kind of make fun of him in front of court. It's kind of a whole full circle kind of thing. Um, but then we see Will and Blackwood kill Gerald Bracken, and Kristen actually tells Rhaenyra not to look at it and covers her from the. Uh, you know, murder that just happened. Um, and they head back to King's Landing. And as they're going into King's Landing, Damon is back and he flies Caraxes like right over top of Rhaenyra's ship and rocking her. And she actually hits her head and Kristen like runs over to take care of her. And I didn't really think about it at the time, but this to me kind of almost looked like he was like overly protective. Like he was doing all these things that like are probably not part of the exactly. King's Guard oath. I was oath. about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a bit like he doesn't need to protect her from seeing a murder and like, you know, she just kind of fell over on a rocking ship. It's like, dude, chill out. She's fine. <laughs> uh, but later on that night, uh, we have the infamous uh, Rhaenyra's night out. Um, and she, after she's out with Damon, she ends up going back and her and Kristen get it on um and he seems very apprehensive at first but which is understandable you know he's about to break an oath and she's a princess and it's pretty intimidating but he still does it um next time they see each other he kind of looks like ashamed embarrassed maybe nervous 
Um, and Rhaenyra is like all giddy. She's like, come over here, check me out. And he's like, Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and he actually walks with her when she's summoned uh, by Viserys to talk about what happened. But I'm curious on what you all think, like with the overprotectiveness and the kind of like almost abashedness he has, like he's all weird when he's like talking to Rhaenyra. Like, what do you all, how do you all think he's actually feeling after basically breaking an oath, becoming close to Rhaenyra? Um, Solar, we'll start with you. Um, well, honestly, I definitely have to say, yeah, before their little tryst. Um, see what I did there? Huh? Um, it's good stuff. He was being a little extra. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely being a little extra. Um, specifically, um, with the... I guess you could say it was very much cinematically, I suppose you could say, um, setting up a little bit of a deeper rivalry um, between those two, because um, uh, specifically between Damon and Rhaenyra, because, you know, um, you mentioned Damon flying over the ship and rocking the boat um, with Dragon Dragon Longneck. You know, kind of like one of those shoulder bumps that you do to someone you're flirting with, like, hey, still here. And Cole was like, no, I must protect her from anything that causes harm, including feathers that fall from the sky. And it's like, dude, yeah, you're being a little being a little extra there. Um, however, I, too, was a 14 year old boy at some point in my life. Um, Might have been 30 something years ago. And. I get that whole, she chose me. Yay, I have to be there all the time. So um, when it came to him breaking his oath, juxtaposed against all of that, um, it does not shock me at all that he took the path that he was taken. Um, It was very reminiscent of Lancelot, Arthur, and Guinevere. where, you know, Lancelot goes to the forest and castrates himself, except Christian Cole was, you know, he was going to end it all. Um, and in truth, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's one thing to get caught up in the moment, but it's another thing to, honest, Brendan Stark in Game of Thrones, uh, the TV show and the book, um, brought up this point when he was talking to Jon Snow about joining the Night's Watch, the, you don't know what you're giving up yet. (laughs) You know, um, you've never been with anyone, you've never been in love, and now you're taking the oath to never do that. Um, It ain't that simple. And I think when he was confronted with the reality of that, he cracked. So... He was feeling in love and giddy like a schoolboy, but guilty and then feeling like an oath breaker in this culture where you keep your word, especially if you've got the armor. So, I mean, honestly, you know, I guess we can switch from calling him Sir Hot Pants to Sir Hot Mess um, once that happened. That, that's that's what I saw. I don't know. What Much about better you, than Mark? Sir Sploosh. <laughs> The way he acted like Rhaenyra took advantage of him and he was a victim, 
he was not a victim uh, it he had been giving clues that he had been into rainira as well just like sam said uh, protecting her from watching a murder was not necessary especially after they have watched so many murders during a tourney <laughs> right <laughs> someone's head bashed in <laughs> and everything uh, he was being really overprotective and it's not just that just their talk uh, during uh, when they when renira runs away and he follows her he's like do you want me to kill him for you jason lannister when she <laughs> complains about jason lannister he's like do you want me to kill him for you it felt like he was flirting with her <laughs> so he had been uh, showing interest in renira even and the only reason he might have resisted resisted was because he thought it was impossible to uh, get what he wanted and uh, that might have been and i think him hiding and feeling scared that someone will see them together it was more out of guilt uh, than uh, anything else like oh shit they will see us together they will figure it out that i broke my honor and i will get punished it kind of like that i think that's what his reason was for trying to hide and stay away from him and it just shows how much he changed over time when he went from yes they have no choice you will be accepted as queen to you know where he ended up <laughs> for sure well in the books we get a couple scenarios in the books we don't really get their whole relationship but we get rumors um where they say there was a relationship and then our our boy mushroom says uh the daemon taught rhaenyra how to seduce sir criston uh claiming that <laughs> that is why daemon was actually sent away and claims that Sir Kristen denied her. So, you know, Mushroom. I don't know. Did the show get it wrong and Mushroom was right? I'm I, I'm inclined to believe so, but you know, that's a question for the philosophers, I guess. Um, Can hey, I add something? Mushroom cut. Sure, Isma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um, the version where uh, it says that. Uh, do, uh, that he asked her her renira to run away with her and he was into renira was the real version even in the books because uh, i think we'll come to it later during her wedding he does something that implies that he was very much into renira so him rejecting renira does not sit in line with that theory so for sure we can discuss it when we'll, we'll come to it sure yeah. sure but yeah but yeah, that brings us to that point. Uh, Rhaenyra is betrothed to Laenor Valerian, uh, and, and they are on a ship back to King's Landing from the Driftmark. Uh, Chris and Cole ask Rhaenyra to run away together, talks about how she hates her position, he pushes a marriage for love, but um, he denies him because, you know, she's got her whole duty, but she basically says, like, we can still get it Chris on. So he's <coughs> he's just, like, not <laughs> into that at all. Um, he believes that his cloak has been tainted, he's broken an oath, like basically blaming her for all of this, which is kind of when you, we think about how he said to her that everything he has is owed to her, now he's basically blaming her for everything bad or whatever, bad, I don't even know if we can call it bad, but yeah. Um, and then he thought, basically he says like he thought by marrying her he could regain his honor or something like that. It's basically he's showing that he's just a huge bro and he's a huge dickhead. Um, Rhaenyra can't even starts to even tell her, it seems like she's about to tell him that she can't give up the kingdom and like even starts talking about why Aegon brought the kingdom together, but he just walks away like a petty child. 
Um, mm-hmm. Allison is later on. We see Allison is kind of investigating Rhaenyra's night out a little bit more and actually summons Sir Kristen to her chambers. Um, and he confesses to sleeping with Rhaenyra, which he just totally misread what Allison was asking <coughs> in the first place. So not only is he just petty, he's dumb. Um, and then he just goes straight up emo and he's like, put me to death instead of being tortured. And Allison's like, no, that's fine. You can leave. Calm down. Um, which brings us to the feast before the wedding. Uh, and Sir Kristen Cole is Sir Pouty at the wedding. And he is just like in the corner, um, just getting all shitty. Joffrey even says at one point to Lenor, he's like, look at him. He's construct, which wow um and joffrey takes advantage of this and goes and approaches cole and says they're both going to be basically playing paramours um to their uh significant others who are going to be marrying each other which not a good move on joffrey's part which leads to kristen to then punch joffrey to death um which was a brutal scene in the show um yeah and then as rainier and Lenor are marrying with Lenor has just tears in his eyes uh, they sh- show another scene to Kristen about to end it all, kill himself, and he's stopped by Alicent. Um, and basically, that's the end of not only Rainier and Kristen's relationship, but basically puts the final dagger in Alicent and Rainier's friendship as well. And that's like where we kind of move on to the adult versions of our characters. Um, in the books, like you were saying, um, Uzma, uh, there's a claim that Kristen claimed his love for Rainier only to be turned down. And it's rumored that this is where Harwin Strong and Rainier actually start their relationship, which it is kind of like that in the show. Um, and at Sir Lena and Rainier's wedding celebrations, Harwin Strong um, actually rode with Rainier's favor, um, and Sir Kristen rode with Allison's favor in what people said a black fury, and he just mowed people down. Um, he broke Sir Harwin's collarbone and elbow. Mushroom dubbed him uh, Sir Broken Bones instead of Sir Breakbones, because our mushroom is hilarious. Uh, and in the books, the difference between jo- Joffrey's death is instead of him punching him to death, he lands a blow on Joffrey's uh, head using his morning star, and Joffrey lingers for six days before dying. But people were not happy about this at all. Like a lot of people were furious, but Allison ends up taking advantage of that and naming him to her uh, own personal guard. Um, but with that, that's kind of like the big relationship between Rhaenyra and Sir Kristen. Um, how do we feel about how the show depicted the relationship since in the books, it's basically all rumors. So I'm curious how you all kind of felt about that. Um, Uzma, we'll start with you. I'm really glad with the choice they went with because uh, that's actually the choice that um, makes sense even in the books. Because if we look at the two characters uh, that he beat up uh, during the uh, during Renira's wedding, one was uh, Sir Harwin Strong who was uh, rumored to be Rainy Ra's lover. And the other one was uh, Joffrey Lawnmouth, who was her husband's lover. And he beat him to the point that he ha- he died. So he was taking his anger out on uh, her husband indirectly through his lover. So it 
it's pretty obvious that which version version is true because if he wasn't in love with uh, Rhaenyra, uh, he wouldn't have uh, rode with Black Fury and everything. And uh, I think Rhaenyra did uh, the right thing by refusing him because uh, she said, "When you can break one vow, uh, you can break other vows." What's uh, keeping him? Uh, what's making sure uh, to that he will keep his wedding vows? And uh, that's the same reason why Liana had rejected Robert. Like, uh, it's the same reason why uh, Re- Liana didn't want to marry Robert, and uh, that he won't keep he he won't be loyal to her. And that's the same reason why uh, Rhaenyra rejected <coughs> Cole. And uh, you are right. I agree with your uh, assessment of Christian Cole that he is a petty child. Everything <laughs> is Rhaenyra's fault. <laughs> they slept to- together. It's it's Rhaenyra's fault. Uh, and then uh, when everything went bad, it's Rhaenyra's fault. He refuses to take responsibility for his actions, even though he had been ro- uh, giving hints and showing interest and flirting with Rhaenyra all the time. What do you think? (laughs) I have not seen this much hate out of either of you ever. (laughs) Man. I mean, don't get me wrong, okay? I see uh, no lies detected on anything you're saying, but man. Um, there's no just lie. there's just something yeah. about rewatching it and really He's focusing. So it's just I think he, for me, he really is petulant. I mean, I for mean, me, it was seriously. just re, it, for me it was rewatching and focusing on the re, on the cold parts that I think made it worse for me personally. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I am I am not disagreeing with you guys because yeah, <laughs> real talk. Um. He starts off, hey, look at me, all that stuff. (laughs) And I'm reminded of my adolescent time when the young cocky guy would come to school for the first time, you know, where they're like, hey, how you doing? And and the young girls, the young Rhaenyra's and Alisaints were, oh, swoon. But all the other guys that had been there for a while was like, oh, God, we got another one of them. Yeah. You know what? Just just let's go play some d and I don't want to look at this mm-hmm. type of thing, um, which actually upsets me. It really does upset me because I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to be on the same page as Otto Hightower. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Because seriously, um, when Rhaenyra chose him as one of the Kingsguard, Otto was like, oh, God, teenagers, you know. (laughs) Um, And I got to say, like, the older people who were really watching saw, you know, Sir Bay of Dorne more as Mm -hmm. Sir Petulant of Petty. Um, And as time went on, it just came out further and further and further. And yeah, you guys are absolutely right. It was like, my honor, it's Rhaenyra's fault. My bad decision making, it's Rhaenyra's fault. My breaking of the oath, oops, I tripped and I fell into Rhaenyra. It's her fault for being there. And it's, you know, the dragons, it's Rhaenyra's fault. That meteor over there, it's Rhaenyra's fault. You know, the fall of the Yellow Kingdom in the East. It was Rhaenyra's fault. <laughs> you know, 
Um, seriously, it's like somebody <laughs> needed to hold a mirror up to this guy going, nah, dude, the only common factor with um, your misery and the stuff going around is you. Because how can everything <laughs> be this little girl's fault? I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I think literarily speaking, um, I really, really appreciate to answer your question. Um, I like that they showed outright on the TV show instead of leaving it to rumors. Okay. Um, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I stand strong by hashtag the mushroom cut. Um, <laughs> But the whole idea of the unreliable narration in these stories is really thick. It's really deep. And we're doing this broadcast on the internet, which is known for calm and reasoned conversations about differences and assumptions of stories, of course, you know. Mm -hmm. So putting it um, on screen right there in front of us to watch, I think that was really good. Especially considering that as important as a character, as um, Sir Petulant of Whiny um, is to the story, there wasn't much to him in, in the books because it was all rumors, you know? Like, you know, we knew he was hot and people talked about him. And I'm like, okay, so this is my Edward Cullen um, character. Um, if you're going to at me, send them to back in the deck at gmail.com. Um, I know I made a twilight reference in regards to a song of ice and fire, but yeah, how seriously. Oh my God. Um, how dare you? But really we know more about that sparkly, good looking guy from the twilight books than we do about Christian Cole in fire and blood. Okay. We know nothing um, substantial about him, except he could fight good. He was on the Queen's Guard and he was dreamy. So um, everything else was rumor as far as his motives, his intentions, his thought process and the other stuff that he did. So I appreciate it that they put it all on screen for us to look at so that there's no more arguments. Or should I say there would not be any arguments in response to the um, in response to the show. I thought it was a good decision. So but, By the way, yeah. I think uh, we have also seen the most hate for any character from you in this episode. Seriously? <laughs> I haven't seen you t talk this passionately about any other character, not even Sir Otto, <laughs> like you did for Christian Cole. <laughs> yeah, seriously, Sam, that was like, whoa, this is, this is where the fire is. I just don't like Sir wow. Chris. I just don't like Sir Chris and Bro. Okay, I'm not into it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know his first son was named Chad. Just saying, <laughs> that was his dad's name. <laughs> uh, so moving on, we're at the we're at the adult part of the show. Both Alice and Rhaenyra have grown to adults. They've got their children, um, and Allison is actually confiding in Sir Kristen. Um, after a conversation with Viserys about uh, Rhaenyra's children's father, who everyone is pretty sure is uh, Harwin Strong. Um, well, they are strong boys. They are pretty strong. Um, <laughs> Extremely and, strong. <laughs> yeah. And both are going on about Rhaenyra, and they're both bringing up the same 
stuff. Like, they're both basically gossiping to each other how much they hate Rhaenyra. And there's, like, just a level of jealousy you can kind of feel a little bit. Like, they're both like, why does she get to run around and do whatever she wants to do? She just gets to have these strong kids, and I got to blah, blah, blah. And they're, just, they're both just going <laughs> off on each other, you know, until, you know... Um, Kristen drops the C word and then Allison's like, whoa, that's too far. <laughs> hey, back it up there, man. Yeah, let's chill out. <laughs> um, but later on, we've got Aegon, Aemon, Jaceris, and Lucerus are practicing with the sword. Uh, and Cole is there teaching everyone. But Har- Harwin Strong is there, who is the rumored father, is the father. Um, and Harwin is actually currently the Lord Commander of the City Watch. Cole is basically... T- t- basically siding with the green boys here who are basically just like going ham on Rhaenyra's kids who are a little bit smaller um and Harwin steps in and he's just kind of like why are you doing this why are you being such a dick and then Cole basically takes this opportunity to bait Harwin into fighting him he calls him basically the father of the boys and Harwin attacks him beats the shit out of Kristen Cole this basically reveals him as the father um, and this causes Strong to be sent away along with his father, Lionel Strong, who steps down as the hand. Um, so this is like kind of the first time we see Kristen Cole really do like a political play, which is pretty interesting. Um, next, we have the um, funeral of Lena Valarian, the very notorious funeral. Um, after the princes and princesses fight um, over Vagar, um, King Viserys is furious with the King's Guard. Um, he's yelling at both Harold Westerling and Kristen Cole, being like, "You should have watched over them." And what I thought was interesting here is every time he's yelling at Harold Westerling, Harold Westerling is being like apologetic and like he's like, "Can't believe that it happened." And Kristen Cole is just being like, "Well, like I don't usually have to f- look after princes and princesses, or like they, you know, it's not my job." And like he's just being. <laughs> such a little shit and it's like that's your king man like you're gonna talk that way to your king that's insanity meanwhile harold westerling you know lord commander is being all apologetic trying to make things happen it's just it's interesting to see that dynamic kind of like basically breaking down um and then this ends with allison calling for chris and cole to take lucerus's eye which he doesn't do he's like they she says you're sworn to me and he says as your protector your grace but then Allison attacks Rhaenyra, and Kristen Cole starts running up with Harold Westerling commanding him to stop. So again, you're seeing Harold Westerling and Kristen Cole basically kind of like colliding a little bit. Um, but he's stopped by Damon, and other Kingsguard grab him, which I think it's interesting that like Damon stopped him this time, where you know in the past Kristen Cole kind of kicked his ass, but now it's almost like Kristen Cole's like, I'm not sure about you now. <laughs> Um, so more time has passed and we have, um, Lucerus' claim to drift markers in question. This is when we don't get a lot of Kristen Cole in this episode. Um, Lucerus and and Jaceris, uh, find Aemond sparring with Kristen. Uh, it's pretty tense. And Kristen Cole actually does help Viserys down from the Iron Throne after Vaemon is half-headed. Um, in the books, Kristen Cole is the one who teaches Aemond how to fight. So they kept that going. And then we finally have... Um, the end of Kristen Cole's journey in the first season of the show, Viserys is dead, uh, and the council has been called. They're scheming, and Lyman Beesbury is not having it. You know, he's calling them all out for treason, and Kristen Cole slams Beesbury's head into the council sphere, like the clock in card, basically killing him. Um, 
Lorman, uh, Lord Commander Harold Westerling calls for him to put down the sword and the cloak. So this is like basically the breaking point for those two. Um, and Kristen claims he killed Lyman uh, Beesbury because he insulted the queen. We know that's bullshit. He's just, says, he's just you know, he's a bro. Um, <laughs> right. Westerling is ordered by Sir Otto to then take the King's Guard to Dragonstone to basically murder Rainier and her children. And Harold Westerling's like, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. And as he's walking out of the small council chamber, Kristen has this just smug grin on his face. Like, basically, he basically is about to become Lord Commander of the King's Guard, and you can tell he knows it. He just looks so happy with himself. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, and then Allison ends up sending Kristen to go find Aegon. And they, she says something very interesting to him. She says, everything you feel for me... And then takes like a pause as your queen go and like look for Aegon, which I thought was interesting. And then Aemon also joins him. Um, they're searching brothels with Aemon and he can find and Aemon confines in Cole that he should be king. Uh, and Cole says to him, I know it is. I know what it is to toil for what others are given freely, which Jesus, man, like, let it go. Just like, let it go. <laughs> Um, the Cargoyles <laughs> find Aegon first, but are met by Kristen and Aemon. Uh, Sir Eric just says, no, thank you, and leaves, and Cole defeats Sir Eric. Um, they take the reluctant Aegon to Alicent. And during Aegon's coronation, um, Kristen Cole actually crowns Aegon, um, pronounces him heir to the throne, and when Rhaenys pops up with Maelys, um, Kristen is commanded by the queen to cover Helena, which he does. In the books, we obviously know Rainey's doesn't do that whole pop-up or whatever, but um, he is... Cole is actually named Lord Commander before Rainier and Laner's wedding. Um, Harold Westerling actually dies way back then, and that's when he's named Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Um, it is claimed that Kristen Cole either slit Beesbury throat, which was us, I think Ustis said that, and then or he was actually thrown out a window, which is what Mushroom said. should be noted that neither of them are actually in King's Landing at the time when this happened. Mushroom was on Dragonstone, and I don't know where Eustace was, but neither of them were in King's Landing. Um, Mushroom claims that Kristen actually found Aegon with a young girl in Flea Bottom, and Eustace claims that mm -hmm. it was with a traitor's daughter, but a lot of people think in this claim that Mushroom was actually telling the truth, and Eustace was just trying to make it not sound as gross. Um, <laughs> and then it's also claimed that Sir Kristen actually convinced Aegon to come back with him because he and his siblings would be killed if Rhaenyra took the throne. And in the Dragon Pit, um, Kristen Cole is the one that actually does crown Aegon. And then after that, he's known as the Kingmaker. Um, but what I kind of wanted to ask you all about, amongst other things, because I want to get your thoughts on all this, because this is some pretty, a lot of stuff. But um, that scene where she's like, everything you feel for me as your queen, are they alluding to a little bit of a, as Solar said earlier, a tryst between Alicent and... And Kristen, or maybe Very something down like the road. Yeah. Well, uh, Uzun, we'll start with you. Yeah, it did feel like uh, maybe Allison was using him, but it did feel like he had his emotions for Allison were more than just loyalty. Uh, the way he said those things, um, maybe he always needed uh, someone uh, to look up to. So maybe if something went wrong in the future, he could blame Allison again. <laughs> <laughs> she's the reason she's the reason I'm in love with Allison damn it Rhaenyra you did this to me <laughs> <laughs> but 
सीरियसली ही शोड हाउ फैटी ही कैन बी इन द सेकेंड हाफ ऑफ सीजन वन बिकॉज बिफोर दैट ही वॉज एंग्री एट रेनिरा एवरीथिंग वॉज रेनिराज फॉल्ट बट देन वैन ही बिकेम मैंटोर एंड ही स्टार्ट ट्रेनिंग द किड्स ही वॉज देयर मैंटोर एंड इट वॉज इट technically should be a sacred relationship between them but he uses alison's kids to bully rainira's kids and when they get into a fight uh, he starts blaming the kids that they were beating the prince and <laughs> like everything <laughs> now it's not now that he can't blame rainira he blames her kids that it was their fault <laughs> and uh, as solar said he was talking back to the king and everything and Seriously he, how petty can someone be <laughs> Well see. quite honestly you know it see the kids you know they were Renera's kids and if Renera hadn't had the kids then he wouldn't be bullying them so it's still Renera's fault It's always Renera's fault <laughs> Mushrooms mushroom exactly. mushroom is right and it's always Renera's fault That's what we've come to learn from this podcast <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Only when we're talking about Sir Christian Bro. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Sorry, go no, ahead. No, go ahead, Uzma. Oh, yeah, this is all you. <laughs> I mean, he is st- still owes everything to Rainira. None of that has changed. But uh he turned how easily he turned just because she turned him down. It shows his arrogance like Uh, how dare she turn me down uh, and i have noticed that arrogance before as well when uh, he went to dragonstone and uh, when uh, damon called him sir crispin if it had been any other night uh, he had been um, uh, everyone would have let it go and he is like perhaps my lord remembers I, how i knocked him down <laughs> <laughs> oh so my god what do you think what could be the cause of his arrogance Uh, because he didn't uh, he didn't have high birth or anything so what was uh, making him so high and mighty <laughs> in his mind what do you think sola petulance um <laughs> like seriously it's like i'm damon targaryen look at how cool i am will i still beat you huh huh you know uh <laughs> you know remember that one time in that one tournament that i beat you i'll do it again uh, I, i'll do it again and notice me uh <laughs> but yeah that that's where i think it comes from and again i think it comes from a lot of that anger because you know um as much as we joke it makes me sad because all of our hate is kind of renira's fault Um had she not made him one of the king's guard then we wouldn't be feeling this way. So that's Renera's fault. I blame Renera. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I honestly think that his arrogance was like, you know, well I came from nothing and look at me now and I beat up the prince. That's how big I am and all that stuff, right? <laughs> right? Um and as far as like the little the little hinting at the tryst between he and Alicent, I don't think there was anything there. I really don't I think um when you look back at the show and all the scenes with Alicent you have her father fuck that guy um saying <laughs> that she's like one of the most attractive women in the in the city and by this point she really is like you know um her father's no longer the hand so she teams up with the foot 
and um, gets information <laughs> from, you know, the master of tiptoe whispering um, because, you know, he's a scumbag. So she knows that pretty much everybody in court um, fancies her in one way or another. So that whole um, the feelings you have for me as your queen, like everybody else does, like I, I think it was conceit <laughs> on her part. Um, you know, unless, unless, you know, um, there was something that happened off screen and off book that the directors were trying to allude to, you know, that, that, that's what I see on that. But yeah, but either way, it's still Rhaenyra's fault. Cause you know, if, if Rhaenyra hadn't assigned him to the Kingsguard and had Rhaenyra not been Alicent's friend and, you know, matter of fact, let's let's blame let's blame Viserys on this one too. It's his fault too. Mm, I'm gonna, he'd been a know, better king. I think we're gonna have to go back further. I think Jaharis, maybe. I think that we could we could really get in the weeds of this one. I think. Well, yeah, because had he picked Ray Ray like any sane person right. would, everything would have been good. Exactly. Yeah. But while we're at it, that Aegon the Conqueror, it's all his fault. <laughs> and he it's just kinda, stayed home and died with everybody. A... You know what? I blame Valerian the Dread for flying him all the way. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of reminded me, uh, just reminded me of the scene uh, Danny and uh, Viserys had. Uh, Viserys was uh, blaming Danny that it's your fault if you had been born early, earlier, <laughs> Rhaegar wouldn't have run away with Lyanna. <laughs> Danny's like, it's your fault. Had you born a girl, he would have married you instead of it's running insane. away with Liana. Yeah. But all yeah, but see, none of it's Christian Cole's fault. That's the thing. Yeah. We know that. You know, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll just keep going all the way back. If it had not been for gravity. Of- <laughs> you know, I blame gravity for bringing all the stuff to build Planetos in the first place. <laughs> But not Christian Cole. He Never. is perfect in every way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my well, god. <laughs> with that, that is the end of uh that is our character portrait of Sir Kristen Swall, Sir Kristen Bebe, <laughs> Sir Kristen Sploosh, Sir Kristen Tom Petty. Um <laughs> The King of the Bean. Yeah. Yeah, Lord Commander wow. of Petty. Uh, but yeah, that is our character portrait of Sir Kristen Cole. Uh, <laughs> oh, you guys are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have our Raven's Eye segment, uh, where Solar, when he composes himself, uh, will be talking about the cinematography and directorial choices made and how they affected the show. Uh, Solar, oh my gosh. whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to take me a minute here. <laughs> Oh, man, it feels good not to be the only (laughs) hateful person on the panel for one week. (laughs) (laughs) I miss you, Morgan. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, Okay. Hey, everybody. I'm Solar Gray, the Cinematic Sorcerer, (laughs) coming at you with the Raven's Eye. Now, I'm not going to lie. As much hate as we spewed on this character so far... We didn't spew nearly as much hate as um, the director of photography and the directors on this show. Because this was the hardest Raven's Eye segment we've had so far. There's so few scenes with him in it that doesn't lean on dialogue. Okay. Um, He has some very interesting scenes that go on in in the show. The downside... uh, (laughs) Ah... 
Sorry, Jordan. People don't know not to call me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, as I was saying, ahem. Um, hang on. Take the scene. Take the scene. Okay. Yeah, as the cinematographers and... Yeah. Um, as important as this guy is to the storyline, most of his scenes um, revolve around dialogue. Um, every scene he's in, it's like talk, 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 talk. Very few subtle looks. Um, very, very little framing. The first scene I wanted to talk about this week really revolves around the training sequences. So the first scene, because we're going to have to do multiples because they're all so short and there's not a whole lot um, with it, is... The training scene where he's using Rhaenyra's kids, he's using Alisane's kids to bully Rhaenyra's kids. Because, you know, it is so chivalrous and knightly to push bullying, if you will. The fact that we have him out of focus and we focus on the kids, but there he is in the background, looking dour and all of that jazz. Always keeping his distance as if to say, yeah, I'm not really part of this. And once the bullying stops, and this is a big one, okay, or once the bullying starts with the Targaryen kids, um, he stands by and he does nothing. When it's the green kids versus the red kids, they, he doesn't really stand up and do anything. He's just kind of there telling them how to fight better until, of course, Lord Strong comes in. And once Lord Strong comes in, it's like, oh, the boss is watching. I guess I better do my job. And most of the looks that we have from him is like, okay, well, the king's watching, so I got to do a thing. All right, look, let me prove that I'm doing my job. So it's an interesting thing in the sense of when we're looking at this scene within the context of where we've seen him on screen, the biggest thing that comes out is his amazing lack of interest. Okay. He's just like, yeah, I'm here. Do the job, get paid, get the paycheck, whatever. Until it's time to pick a fight. When um, Harwin Strong comes in and is like, dude, really? Is this what you're doing? Is, is this that whole thing? Then he plays his first political move. Okay, Being mean to uh, Rhaenyra's kids because, you know, it's her fault that they're there and that he has to teach kids how to do stuff because she gave him a job. Again, this scene goes well into dialogue because that's what most of his scenes are. But with this scene, we can definitely see like who has favorites, who doesn't have favorites, all of that jazz. So yeah, so with this, we definitely have a show of distance between he and everything else that's happening there until it's time for him to be petty against Rhaenyra and those that are close to him. Um... Is there something that you guys are seeing that I'm not? Let's start with you, Sam. No, I, I think you pretty you did a great job bringing up the whole political play and like him kind of acting like he's not a part of it by staying kind of far away. Like you, he's definitely making a play by just kind of like pushing <laughs> buttons, but he's not directly doing anything. And by keeping his distance, it makes him look even more innocent. So like. He's kind of backing off and he's like, no, they're fighting. It's not me. I'm not doing anything. I'm just here to watch over them, you know, which, you know, he said before he's not supposed to take care of princes and princesses, but here he is basically causing them to fight. So 
Yeah. What about you, Uzma? I think uh, uh, I agree. Uh, I think he wants to fight, but he wants to do it in a way so he could blame the other guy. <laughs> he did. He again. He doesn't have to take responsibility for it. He, uh, as you can see, he left. Uh, he le- just leaves them uh, to fight with the um, what was it? Uh, the body. Uh, he he just left them to practice on his own. But uh, the second he sees that Harvin Strong, uh, Har- sorry, uh, Harvin Strong has appeared, he starts training. He intentionally starts training with the with Allison's kids uh, to show him that I'm not paying attention to your kids. They are not worth my attention. And when he uh, when uh, Harvin objects, he then intentionally puts them uh, uh, sets. Uh, Aegon against Jace, so he could uh, start a fight. And when uh, if um, and then when everything is uh, started, he could put the blame once again on another person instead of taking responsibility him himself. That's what uh, it seemed. He wouldn't have uh, started training with the. I don't think he would have started training with the uh, Alicent's kids uh, if Harvin hadn't shown up there. It was everything in, was intentional. He had planned uh, to provoke him to get an react uh, to get a reaction out of him to get back at him in a, in his own petty way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's def like you know the pettiness comes out. Now the next scene, and this was on our book maniac suggestion that I wanted to talk to you guys about, was the scene. Where he seems conflicted uh, <clears throat> with, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, to set the scene. There was a fight. One of the kids lost an eye because everything is fun until someone loses an eye. And Alicent is mad that one of her kids lost an eye. Almost as mad as another mother in this series when it comes to someone uh, to someone's mm-hmm. dog biting their brat. Let's uh, let's go through this thing by thing. So everyone is telling... Um, everyone is telling Allison, dude, slow your roll. All right. The king has spoken. There we go. That's the whole thing. And, um, you know, Allison herself is like, no, you, she doesn't get to, oh, wait, here we go. Sorry. I still got to push the button here. All right. So, yeah. And we have, you know, Allison staring at the king and it's like, no, no, no. And at that moment, no. This was a blink or you'll miss it moment. Um, But here we have the moment where she takes the dagger and we have the commander of the King's Guard, um, the uh, dollar store barrist in the bold um, going. But if we look to the right of the scene, we've got Sir Petty of let me see how this plays out doing nothing. Just standing there like, hmm, let's see what's going to happen. All right. And then finally, when she gets there, um, that is when Christian Cole starts to make his move. Okay. Um, he then makes his move. And it's really interesting because at that moment, we've got a bunch of people holding him back. <clears throat> um. And cinematically speaking, given his reluctance to actually jump into the situation when his boss was going, like even after she pulled the knife from the king, um, 
as soon as she didn't land the blow, that was when he made his move. And it almost seems as though he wanted her to kill um, Rhaenyra. And when she didn't, um, he made a break for it, which kind of makes me wonder if that's why Damon stopped him. <laughs> like, oh, no, you missed your chance. So you just stay back and let your boss handle this type of thing. Um, that's what I got when looking over the scene a little earlier. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Uzma? Um, I'm asking you first because the scene I... has a Damon in it. And, you know, I know you <laughs> like having Damons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of uh, Christian, I, I agree. He was just standing there. And even when uh, she started to attack Rhaenyra, he did nothing. But the second Rhaenyra stopped uh, Alicent, when everyone started running toward, uh, when uh, it seemed like the attack won't go through, he started running immediately. And it was pretty obvious that he wanted to protect Alicent. He was going there to help Alicent. And uh, what What's really inter uh, interesting in this scene is that Sir Harold Westerling, he keeps yelling at Christian Cole. He <laughs> keeps telling him to uh, like uh, stay back, don't do anything. He is telling Christian Cole uh, to stay back and everything. And uh, then when he still doesn't listen to his Lord Commander and keeps running, that's when Damon steps in and stops him. And I really loved that scene because Jamin stepped in and stopped Rhaenyra. So in a way, he protected, uh, uh, sorry, uh, stopped Christian Cole and uh, protected Rhaenyra. It was kind of cool. And uh, he had uh, acted like a cool uh, stepfather to, to the kids. So in a way, he was... Let's leave David aside. <laughs> 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 You're like, oh wait, wait, no, we're not talking about Damon. We're not talking about. We're talking about Chris. It took yeah. it took us it took us 25 episodes, but Uzma finally said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop myself." <laughs> <laughs> no. And uh, what I really find interesting was that right before this scene, when uh, Alicent orders Christian Cole to bring her uh, Luke's eye, he uh, he uh, he rejects her uh, order. He say uh, he doesn't do anything. He refuses to bring uh, Luke's eye to her. But right before that scene, when the fight happened and the king was yelling at them, he was standing there blaming Rhaenyra's kids that they were beating up the princess and it was their fault and everything. So what do you guys think? Because I cannot make uh, what was going on in uh, Christian Cole's head because uh, at the very beginning, he blames Rhaenyra's kids. But when Alicent uh, orders him to punish Luke, he refuses to do it. But then, uh, and when Alicent attacks Rhaenyra, he still doesn't do anything. But then when when uh, she's stopped, he starts running to help Alicent. So what do you guys think? Uh, um, quite honestly, yeah, I honestly think that it was a really subtle and in my opinion, um, take it as you uh, take it or leave it as you will, a too subtle, um, cinematic, um, hint at an assassination attempt. Um, given that we'd, um, we'd already seen Christian Cole commit a murder in the middle of public, um, especially in regards to Rhaenyra, because it's all her fault. Um, 
<laughs> you know, God, I'm terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, I honestly think that what we were looking at was an attempted, um, was really an attempted um, assassination. You know, and given that everything was, was you know, Rhaenyra's fault at all times, according to Christian Cole, you know, even when he had acne when he was 11, it was a ra- it was Rhaenyra's fault, you know, <laughs> um, honestly, that that's what I can see. But I don't know. What, what, what about you, Sam? What do you got? Uh, th- this was, this seems kind of interesting because when Harold is like yelling at um, is like yelling at Sir Kristen when he's running at her, it's kind of like a it's almost like he knows that he's got too much personal shit going on with both of them that, that he's like, no, don't do it. Just sit down. Like it's kind of like when a dog gets excited about like someone coming into the door and you have to like hold the dog back. You're like, no, just chill out. It'll be fine. But now it's like murder and Kristen Cole's going to try to like aid in it, you know? And like, so and you know we've seen Damon stand in front of how many people in this in this show so that part was just like kind of fun, but yeah it's I think it's just more he just I think his hatred for Rainier is just so deep that like when he saw that she was about to get murdered he's like sweet let me get some popcorn and then when he saw that it like when he saw that it was getting stopped then he's like oh I should go help now and it's like okay. We get it, dude. You hate Rhaenyra. Like, it's so... It's just too obvious. Like, I don't know. I feel like he thinks he's being subtle, but everyone's like... we. I mean, everyone knows it. Even Harold Westerling was like, don't do it! We get it! Stop! So... So, yeah, that's my take. Wow. And I guess this is where I asked Jordan to... um, to insert gif of Michael Jackson eating popcorn from tr- Thriller. Like, okay, yeah, she's about to kill the princess. Hey. <laughs> You're about to say something yeah, this exactly. month? exactly. It was like kind of... Uh, it was kind of like his ex-girlfriend and current girlfriend, assuming his crush on Alice and his true, are fighting and he's about to jump in. <laughs> By the way, I really loved the camera angle, that how they filmed it from above, uh, uh, showing... a. Uh, uh, Christian Cole's walk uh, march towards Alicent that was a really uh, nice uh, scene yeah so you know um, the question was brought up to me earlier for this segment what was going through his head and I think yeah I think the ooh this is going to be good okay I guess I'll get involved you know (laughs) and again uh, the dude that we're not talking about this episode for too much going dude no no I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I see you're trying to go kill my niece, and I'm better at this than you. So uh, just just slow your roll. Um, Another thing. uh, Oh, please, please. Another thing just occurred to me, uh, assuming that uh, he really is as ar- arrogant as we think he is, uh, it might have been all in his head that it's all about him. So he is like um, my uh, girlfriend and my my ex-girlfriend and my current girlfriend are fighting. And so I have to be the one to uh, take action. <laughs> like in his head, everything is about him. Oh, except fault. <laughs> That's all Rhaenyra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So that's been the Raven's Eye segment. <laughs> um, my God, I'm gonna throw this back to you, Sam, because I'm still laughing about everything <laughs> that we've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Solar. 
<laughs> and now for our fire and blood segment, uh, where the whole council <laughs> will dig into our chosen character's story. Uh, Uzma, you have some questions for us. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with the first question. Once again, it's about the changes from the books. Which changes did you like uh, and which, which you wish had been kept from the books? Like, we'll start with you, Sam. Uh, well, I definitely like... We kind of talked about it earlier in the character portrait, but I liked how they uh, depicted the relationship between Rainier and Kristen Cole. That was good. I like that we got some insight there. Um... I get. I don't know if I necessarily have like a, a dislike of anything they did in the show, but I mean they made him so hateable and they did such a good job at that. So I guess I dislike Kristen Cole as just a character, if that counts. I don't know. They did a great job of making him hateable because before, kind of like Solar said earlier, he was just kind of a guy in the in the books. So yeah, I, I like how I I like to dislike Sir Kristen Petty. So, yeah. Solar, what about you? Um, it's funny because my initial answer is what I like and dislike are the same things. Um, I like that they made him more than a two-dimensional character or a rumor. But I also dislike how they did it. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, just making him so hateable. Um, in, the, in the novel, he came off as more tragic than anything else you know and we only had a moment of tragedy with him um at the wedding feast when he killed um joffrey specifically like i had that moment of dude no you know um when he did the run away with me we'll go to bravos we'll go to the free cities my heart being a flutter um, that wasn't tragic. It was like, you know what, man? Shoot your shot. <laughs> Shoot your shot. It was worth a shot. <laughs> um, but he could have really used a page out of um out of Torman's book of when you're shot down by someone you're interested in, you take a breath and you move on. Okay. Um and I'm talking about how Tormen got shot down by Brian of Tarth, and he was like, Oh man, she broke my heart. Well, guess I'm going over here. That's what he should have done. But what did he do? Oh God. You know, it was like we had that moment of, oh, poor guy. I mean, you should have known better, but I still kind of feel for you. And then came the wedding, and that was when he became irredeemable. And um, the book kept him a much more tragic character, although keeping him in rumor. Um, and so, yeah, it was... Um, I didn't like that they turned him from a tragic character to an insufferable, insipid character, you know? That, that's where I got to say it. And that's, that's what I got to say on my juxtapositions. So, yeah. Uzma, back to you. I agree. He might not, not be as petty in the books as he is on the show. And the changes, <clears throat> the, uh, the change I liked was Rhaenyra picking uh, Christian Cole to be the king's guard. And uh, I think... Uh, it wasn't uh, Rhaenyra who picked King, uh, Christian Cole to be the king's guard in the books. She just chose him as her personal, personal guard. But 
in the uh, on the show i love that she went against otto's <coughs> decision uh, that uh, someone else should be chosen and she uh, was like no i'm uh, he has battle experience i'm making the right decision and uh, he will be the one chosen as the king's guard how she stood her ground and um, about christian cole and uh, what i wish they had kept it was cole beating harwin strong and breaking his bones at rainira's wedding because it would That's have showed one. him attacking yeah it would have showed him attacking three people that rainira had affairs with <laughs> or liked <laughs> <laughs> and yeah at least yeah people would have hated him more but uh, exactly uh, that's what uh, i wanted uh, and uh, another thing i want to mention i love how there are so many different ways uh, there are rumors that he killed diamond beesbury <laughs> <laughs> so he threw many. him out the window. Yeah, <laughs> he stabbed him. And no one knows and either. Reality, and then you gotta wonder, like, no one actually knows what happened. And then I'm like, well, what happened to his body? Did anyone find his body? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, Lyman. <laughs> okay, moving on. Name one action of Christian Cole that you liked, and one you disliked in season one. We'll start with you, Sola. Um, real talk. I like the conversation he had with Rhaenyra during the hunt. Um, I, I, that was my answer. <laughs> you know, ser- seriously, um, I, I'm like, dude, you know what? This is a pretty cool dude. All right. Yeah, we can get on that. And there, there's a little chemistry going, you know, I, I really did like that. Um, yeah, that, that, that's the thing I liked, um, in season one. Um, did you say one thing you li- I like and I didn't like, or just one thing I liked? Because uh, oh, I didn't like. like? Oh, yeah. um, I know yeah. we're running out of time because we this podcast has been everything <laughs> we don't like about this dude. Um, but quite honestly, the biggest thing that I didn't like was how he pit the children against each other. You know. Uh, I, can you see my answer? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm standing right behind you. <laughs> like seriously, um, seriously. That's uh, okay. I guess I'm in your head. But yeah, I, I really don't like. Um, I, I really don't like how he put the kids against each other because it was his action that spurned the rest of the fight in my eyes. Like the whole rest of the war between the Greens and the Reds. Because if he wasn't fostering their toxicity toward each other, then maybe the dinner would have gone a different way. So, yeah. I'm going to throw that back to you since I'm right inside your head, man. All right. (laughs) (laughs) My answer is the same. What I liked was Cole helping out Rhaenyra during the hunt. Uh, during the hunt, it was a really nice moment between them, and uh, I really disliked him bullying Rhaenyra's kids uh, just to provoke Harwin Strong. He was just using the kids to get into a fight with Harwin Strong. And what about you, Sam? Um. Well, I I disliked when the way that just the the killing of Joffrey. It was just brutal. Like, just the way he... Just the way that, like, he basically took out his frustration with Rainier and I wanting to run away with him. Or just that whole situation. He was already being the worst. And then he took it out on Joffrey, who was actually just trying to kind of be buddies. 
and then you just had and then just the mm. way this just it was just like so vicious um and then the thing that i liked uh, i i actually really liked his response to when damon calls him sir christ sir crispin <laughs> and he's like oh maybe you remember me from when i knocked you off your horse it was like oh like that was one of those moments so because like you we, you know at first you're like you, everyone's liking on Kristen cole and when that first happened i was like damn he said that to damon so i thought that was i thought that was cool <laughs> That takes guts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, it wasn't no, it, it was no Elena Tyrell, but it was a decent burn, you know. Yeah, it was. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> okay, moving on to the last question. Pick one character from Game of Thrones who you think is the most like Cole. Uh, we'll start with you, Sam. And we're going one-word answers, right? No, uh, you can. Uh, you also need to tell your reason oh, why. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Sir Loras Tyrell. And besides the fact that, you know, Sir Kristen was also a side piece, also very good at fighting, um, you know, Sir Loras is probably not as petty, but there's still a level <laughs> of just like arrogance that Sir Loras has, you know, he's like the knight of flowers, you know, he's a good looking dude. Yeah. People are always like, look, like the ladies love him. The guys love him. And there's, you know, he walks with a little bit of an air to himself. So, like, I don't think he's as petty, but I think there's a lot of similarities of just their character arcs that I would I would make them similar. Mm. Solar? I can't remember the character's name, but he was part of the Kingsguard that ended up going to the Night's Watch. And John had him executed. Um... Janus Lint? It might have been Jan. Who was the bald one in the show? Yeah, Janus Lint. He very much reminds me of a young Janus Lint. The one who Tyrion says, uh, uh, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying. Mm -hmm. I'm not questioning your uh, honor. I'm doubting honor. it and I'm doubting yeah. its existence. Yes. He, yeah. yeah. Um, he reminds me of like, um, what Janus Slent must have been like when he was younger. You know, just the, hey, I made it to the Kingsguard. Look at me, I'm all this. And then years of being in the most toxic place in this world. And I am not talking about a shy. Um, turned him into that. <laughs> like, seriously, mm -hmm. turned him into that. I, I can, I, that, that's really what, what he reminds me of. Okay, my answer is Dario Naharis. Dario? Because, uh, they were <laughs> I know. Interesting uh, are, choice. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, Dario. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, uh, they have almost nothing in uh, common. But the one thing I, I picked that was common in them uh, was that they both loved a princess or a queen that were way above their station and fell in love with them and were rejected by them. They chose uh, to marry another person of higher sta station or to follow their own path and rejected him because of his low birth. So, hmm. okay, okay. Nice. I can kind of see it, but according to that logic, I'm seeing the first half of Jorah Mormont more than that. <laughs> but Dario? Yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I always saw Dario as like, yeah, I'm a side piece. Like, uh, he that? was uh, <laughs> very, uh, but he was very arrogant and uh, like uh, thought he was so 
cool and everything true and that yeah. the ladies love him and everything <laughs> that's uh, not something i see with uh, jora mormon jora mormon was not petty and dario you can call him petty okay i, I can definitely say that yeah, i get that yeah <laughs> He's no okay, strong so dull ass, so I can say that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but who is really? <laughs> okay, so that's all for fans of the dragon segment. Back to you, Sam. Awesome. Oh, sorry. Fire and blood segment. Uh, back to you, Sam. Thanks, Uzma. Uh, and now for our final segment, we have the fans of the dragon where we have trivia, polls about the world of ice and fire, and questions and comments from you, the listeners. Um, today's trivia, uh, whose fault was it according to Chris and Cole? <laughs> that should be an easy one to answer. I don't even think you need to listen to the whole episode to find that out, but that is our I'm going to throw a hint. It wasn't gravity. Yeah. <laughs> it was not gravity. We went down a road, but there was one. And it was not Christian Cole. Yes. There was... <laughs> yes. There was one particular person we blame this on. Y'all can figure it out. Um, but Uzma, I believe you've got some uh, some polls for us. Yeah. The poll for this week was What was Christian Cole's real motive behind asking Rhaenyra to run away with him to Bravos? And the first option was, he really was in love with Rhaenyra. He only, uh, second option was, he only wanted to restore his own honor. Third, he really wanted to protect Rhaenyra from a forced marriage or any other uh, options. And as for the polls on YouTube, 67% uh, fans voted he only wanted to restore his honor. And now, that is an overwhelming margin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the uh, watch, according to Watch Party Network, uh, I don't know who posted that. Uh, all of the above uh, to some degree, although I think B was the most important character. And on Twitter, once again, 66.7% fans voted, only wanted to restore his honor. And even on uh, Facebook, 74% fans <laughs> voted, he only wanted to restore, in, uh, restore his honor. And I would like to read a couple of comments uh, that I found really interesting. Uh, According to Grand Chase, he never had any honor to restore, nor would breaking the rest of his vows restore his honor. He just wanted to feel better about himself so he could convince himself he was being honorable, that he was the good guy. Didn't mention that she would be giving up everything uh, because she was only uh, uh, because it was only about him. Damn. Uh, she was right in the books. I thought we hated Christian <laughs> Cole. This guy went, went just scorched earth on him. Damn. Oh, my God. But uh, <laughs> reading his comment gave me this idea uh, about Liana. <laughs> because he said she was right in the books. Uh, he so easily broke one vow and was ready to throw the rest away. Uh, so why would she believe marriage vows would mean anything to him? <laughs> oh, man. 
You know, I don't think that's what gave me. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't think this guy's hatred of of um, Sir Chad of Cole um, would sting as much if I didn't agree so hard. I'm like, I, I can't find yeah. fault in what he's saying. You know, because I was he's thinking, completely right. Yeah, I mean, if he yeah. wanted to protect his honor, he should have stayed offer. Um, I can smell the smoke coming off of his keyboard. That's how, like, <laughs> oh, like that, like twelve-year-old mean of that guy typing, and then yeah. his fingers disintegrate, <laughs> his arms go in, and he just yeah. starts bashing his head against it. Or that, like, or the meme where the guy's like writing, and there's just flame coming up from the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but mean, he's not the only one. Uh, according to Seth Fitz, he wanted to restore his honor, but I think he had no honor in the beginning. I believe him to be the devil sheep, uh, <laughs> devil in sheep's clothing, because his true nature being showed at the wedding. So he was not the only one, and I think uh, we all agree with them. Man, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah. What would you guys vote for? Which option? I mean, out of all of them, uh, I think it's a bit of bit of this, bit of that, but mainly the honor thing. He kind of even admits it in the conversation, so I'd probably mainly say the honor thing. Yeah, truth, I would go with other. I think it would really be to make himself feel better. Um, like Lois and the family guy going, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. <laughs> but he's not. And yeah, the whole, I'm right there with Grant because it doesn't restore your honor to forsake all of your vows at once. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah, if he really wanted to go out honorably, he would have killed himself on the boat <laughs> instead of asking her mm -hmm. to run away with him. It's like, oh my God, I defiled the princess. Now let me take her away from the, let me kidnap her and take her to another country where she has no power, no station, right. no nothing. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's honorable. Sure. Like really, you know. And even though he did try to kill himself uh, on the show, but before that he tried to take Rhaenyra down before uh, killing himself. Mm -hmm. Like if uh, I'm not, if I can't have him, I won't let anyone else. Uh, sorry, if I can't have her, I, ca I won't let anyone else have her. Kind of like that. He, he didn't need to take down Rhaenyra. He didn't need to betray her if he felt guilty and wanted to kill himself. He could have just done it quietly. But he didn't. Wow. You know, I think we're like really close to that line of internet bullying of this character. We're like, just kill yourself. Kill yourself. You suck. You suck. You're just a good looking idiot. Just kill yourself. And we've got, we've got like a whole show to keep doing this too. There's so much more show. Wow. Like, I don't think we showed this much hate for Otto Hightower. And I really hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really surprising because I thought I, the character I hated the most was Otto Hightower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of things uh, I just realized uh, in this episode when I was talking about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, quite honestly, I think, um, I think, I, I don't know, I don't know if we're showing that we hate Christian Cole more. I think... We hate Otto Hightower, fuck that guy, but we have more respect for him than we do for Christian Cole. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that that's fair. 
Yeah, because yeah, at least Otto had moments of that magnificent bastard. But Christian was just like, dude, oh, grow up. Yeah. Get a job. Be a blacksmith. I don't know. Go be a farmer in Dorne. You know, or that's just right. Like, I just I said, or farm just like, you know, or just enjoy being Rhaenyra's side piece. Like, what is so bad about that? I don't understand. <laughs> like, he, he could have just been fine. It would have. They could have had such a nice time, and he just had to be like <laughs> those strong kids could have been cold kids. Like, everyone could have been happy about it. whatever. I just, yeah, I think it's uh, to what we discussed earlier that he's so arrogant that in his head he's way above being someone's side piece. Yeah. Like he deserves in his mind, he deserves more. He's the hero of his story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and and again, he would have still been the hero. He got the princess and none of the responsibilities of noble nobility. But yeah. I guess that's me in my twenty first century uh, mindset talking. Because yeah. dude, yeah, I mean, it's like oh, I'm so the princess who's heir to the throne has a consort and her big gay husband, and she wants to keep me on the side. <laughs> Call me Harwin Strong, but Sounds I just kind of see a win-win in that one. <laughs> yeah, Harwin Strong got it, and he didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm like, yeah. Where's the downside? You know, I, I, yeah. I get all the benefits <laughs> and none of the paperwork. You know, <laughs> so that's, that's the Westerosi equivalency of mailbox money. I mean, seriously. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. that is that is our Chris and Cole <laughs> episode. It's been it's been a good one. <laughs> Uh, follow us I on Facebook. I haven't laughed this hard in 20-something episodes. <laughs> like, seriously. Follow us on Facebook at AWPOIAF and Twitter at Ice and Fire Party and email us at watchpartyoficeandfire at gmail.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to comment below. And a massive thank you to our Lord Commander, Jordan Reynolds, for editing and putting the episode together. Uh, check out our friends over at Watch Party Lord of the Rings who have all the lore and discussion you could need dealing with Lord of the Rings and the Ring of Power series. Uh, we also have our friends our friends over at Watch Party Wheel of Time uh, with anything and everything you need about that universe and series. This has been a production of the Watch Party Network. Thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, we are your hosts, Solar. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Uzma. It's Renira's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and myself, Sam, Sir, bye bye, Valer Mogulis. <laughs>